Every week on Culture 101, we welcome a guest to share the love and shout out to some current favourite arts and culture. This week's guest is actor and writer Michelle Langston. You may recognise her name from Cloud's Daughters or Mighty Johnson's 800 Words and One Lane Bridge. She's won two Voyager Media Awards for her writing and is a regular contributor to The Herald, The Spin-Off and North and South. South. More recently, though, she's returned from the US after being invited to attend the Comic-Con convention in Erie, Pennsylvania, a throwback to her role in Power Rangers. Michelle joins us now. Kia ora, Michelle. Kia ora, Perlina. Kia ora. ora. Um, Comic-Con in Erie, Pennsylvania. What was that like? <laughs> um, I mean, it was absolutely as unusual as you would expect. I have never been to a Comic-Con. I've never been to any kind of fan convention. And I had my arm twisted to go to this <laughs> Um, Comic Con featuring some Power Rangers actors, uh, and so I, yeah, I arrived uh, for a weekend of utter madness. It was really kind of uh, quite amazing. All I can imagine is like a giant warehouse type setting with just costumes, right? People, just fans, fans and costumes <laughs> running around. That's my impression. Yeah. I mean, some truly incredible costumes, billions of stalls, people dressed in the most... I mean, there were, to be honest, I did freak out with excitement because there were these <laughs> people dressed as um, Optimus Prime and one other of the Transformers, and they were huge. Like, they were, like, eight or nine feet, oh, like, wow. massive, and they were so beautiful. Like, they were just the coolest. There were just some amazing costumes. People do an incredible job, so that was quite overwhelming for me, yeah. <laughs> um, I heard also that Comic-Con had a bit of competition with another festival festival down the road? Yeah, there were some people, some of the organisers, I got the sense of slightly disgruntled because there was this massive rib, like rib as in the meat, rib <laughs> festival going on in the heart of Erie, like on their old main street. They'd shut off like five streets and there were just people cooking ribs, like for, like slow braising ribs for five days ahead of time and stuff. So apparently quite a lot of the audience that would have been at Comic-Con were eating ribs. So <laughs> was, um, yeah, a bit of contention in the air. The fighting, <laughs> fighting over the fans and, and, the, and the attendees. That's so funny. Yeah. Um, and so you, would, you obviously flew over there and uh, despite having a small child, I thought maybe you'd take the opportunity for some in- uninterrupted sleep. But instead, you kind of just hoovered up TV shows and books. I just went crazy <laughs> instead of being someone that's like oh I'm free from my child first time I've been away from Sunny who's two his entire life like maybe you go out you go dancing you drink it, you <laughs> look like you get drunk I don't know no I just read books and watch TV like a mad woman like a woman possessed I think a, I true, a true nerd yeah, true nerd. And I was um I was on the plane home actually. Um I was flying home on in New Zealand and they had, I discovered, the um recent adaptation of Irma Vip, which is this incredible um French T V show co produced by Alicia Vikander, the mm. actor. And directed by Olivier Assayas, who who's the director of a really great film called Personal Shopper that came out I think in two thousand and sixteen. And it is an eight part TV series of which I watched the entirety on the flight home that is about a director who can't let go of the film he made of Irma Vep. Irma Vep was a, like a muse to the vampires uh, mm. back in the day. And so now he's making a TV show um, about Irma Vep. And Alicia Vikander plays this American actress who comes to Paris to play the role. And her life begins to blur with her character. And, of course, it's slightly meta because Oliver, Olivier Assayas directed the film version yes. of Irma Vep in 1996. So there's some really great layers of stuff. And it is 
um, the, has most incredible performances. It's got this actor who's one of my favourite actors in the world. He's German. And his name is Lars Eidinger. And anyone that watched Babylon Berlin will recognise him. Lars and he plays this completely unhinged, method-addicted, wild-card actor who comes on board this production. And he's sublime. And Alicia Vikander's phenomenal. The actor who actually plays Asaius, the director, is extraordinary. It's just a romp of eight hours. It's funny. It's sad. It's moving. It's magical. It's just... I honestly can't go on about it enough. It's fabulous. Do you feel like you need to have watched the film to understand the TV show? I think, no, you can watch it on its own because it references, it goes back and references the film within the film mm, as well mm. as the original film, The Vampires from 1915, that the character of Irma Vep comes from. Mm. So there's heaps of layering of that history, but it will also give you additional great humour and joy to have watched the film, um, which is tremendous as well. It's, a, it's such a great movie. I'm going to put that on the list, just like maybe yeah, everyone, so uh, like a lot of people will have to say. The writing is staggering. It's just so beautiful and so naturalistic. And it, it's, I just loved it. And also, point of interest, Thurston Moore from Sonic Youth is the composer. Ah. So the whole soundtrack is just amazing as well. It's just perfect. It's perfect television. I love the idea of a show that makes you feel multiple feelings. You know, one minute you might be crying or the next minute you're laughing. Just that mi- mixing up all those tones. I love the idea of yeah, a show that does that. So do I. And it's mm. really thought-provoking and it's mm. so clever and it has amazing commentary on our industry and anyone that's been on a film or television set will be laughing with it about, I don't know, 11 <laughs> minutes at the way it's, it's just so accurate. <laughs> it's just delightful. It's got something for everybody. It's just gorgeous. And also I just feel, you know, you can't actually go wrong with French television. They just they just know what they're doing. And there's so many sublime French-German actors. It's just heaven. And another TV show that you've been um, binging at home has uh, slightly lighter, slightly maybe a guilty pleasure, you could say. <laughs> I feel no guilt. So I inhaled the entirety of At Home with the Furies. Can I just say at the outset, I don't watch boxing. Yeah. I don't care for boxing. I'm not in, but I just am obsessed with that family. So Tyson Fury is like a world heavyweight boxing champion. I yeah. believe he's still holds Undef- his I think undefeated, title. yes. Undefeated. He's also a traveller. So he's from a gypsy like that grand gypsy tradition. Mm. He's got seven children. His wife Paris is just incredible. She's mm. amazing. They're a hilarious family. He's got quite intense, I believe he's got bipolar and he talks about it really openly and within his family and with his context. He's a fascinating kind of contradiction. They're all hilarious and gorgeous and loving and ferocious and it's just a really great fly on the wall documentary series. I loved it. I don't know I if you it. I don't know if you ever saw the show but Duck Dynasty did you ever see that? It was um, no. it's about the American family who came up with those duck callers that people use in hunting, but <laughs> it, they sound it sounds like a really similar concept where you've got this unlikely reality show family who are actually very all really close, very loving, all very supportive of each mm-hmm. other, have quite a crazy sort of lifestyle, but um, very endearing to watch and and surprising. Endearing. I think very endearing. Yeah, so charismatic. Yes. Like yes. They're just adorable, and it's a really interesting insight into because you know Tyson Fury retired mm. and was like I'm walking away now undefeated, but then has since now gone back 
and that brings with it a lot of complexities for their home life and um, there's some interesting awareness he has around his own mental health and having mm. a purpose with fighting that he doesn't necessarily find in his family life. Paris Fury actually just gave birth to their, I think, eighth child. Oh, wow. Maybe it might be seventh. But I apologise if I've got that wrong. <laughs> um, like last week. Five plus um, children. So it's a it's a, it's a many, many children situation. <laughs> and it's just, oh, I just love them. And they're making another season, which I was delighted by because I didn't really want to say goodbye to them. I mm. kept thinking, like I'd wake up the next day and think, I wonder what they're doing. Like, oh, like gosh. Oh, gosh, Rochelle, you've been sucked in. The producers have done their job. I know. They've absolutely done their I'm job. I'm not a massive reality person, <laughs> but I just am um, here for it. It's so charming. It's really and great. You also hoovered up two books on the plane, uh, one of them being Kirsten Bell. Kirsten Bell? Rodham. Oh, no, I, Kurt, sorry, Curtis Sissonfeld. Oh, sorry. I thought it was the Kirsten Bell. I said, I don't even know if she wrote that. Kirsten Bell. Oh, my gosh. I mean, she's a really great actress. She's a really great actress. She had a novel in her. This yeah. makes a lot more sense. So I am doing a lot. Oh, can you still hear me? I can. Oh, you can. Sorry. Um, my phone dipped out for a second. I have been doing a lot of catching up on books I missed when I had a young baby, a.k.a had no awareness of time itself. And um, I just finished reading Curtis Siddenfeld's novel, Rodden, which is a fictional examination of the life of Hillary Clinton if she had turned down Bill Clinton's proposal of marriage. So famously, Bill Clinton asked Hillary to marry him three times. It was only on the third time she said yes. Mm. And in this book, this imagining of her life, it's kind of a sliding door scenario, she says no, and it maps both her career and her personal tra- trajectory. So, and real so a what if her, kind of book. Yeah, and it's just. That's fascinating. It's fantastic. And it, so it covers her romance with Clinton, her time at Yale, all of that political, her beginning of her life and being a lawyer is all there, mm. and then leads away into this kind of magical what if territory that at times has got this extraordinarily thrilling, if I can say this, pedestrian element to it. And she's sort of this, at one point, you know, she's in her 50s and she's childless, she's not married, mm. and she's kind of in this political world. And it's, it's yeah, it's really amazing. We see her trajectory alongside Clinton, who sort of becomes a billionaire but is plagued by complaints from women about right. his inappropriate sexual behaviour. And all of that is signposted early on in their relationship and is eventually why she leaves him because of his infidelity and um, the swirling kind of... Uh, intimations of sexual assault, and so it's um, it's a really terrific overview as well of the of the kind of machinations of politics, and a really generous reimagining of someone who, I mean, let's be honest, she's been really up at, up against it from a um, PR perspective her mm, whole entire mm. life, thanks in part to the patriarchy. You know, she's often been the only woman in a room, which has been a really thankless job mm, for her, mm. Hillary Clinton, and. Um, yeah, those ramifications are really keenly explored. And, uh, yeah, it's just gorgeous. It's it's incredibly compelling. It's Yeah, I just loved it. I really... Curtis Sittenfeld is a great writer, actually. If, if you not haven't come across her, go and read Prep. It's her, I think it was her first novel. It's really great. She's... It's just... She, yeah, it's fantastic. I loved it. And it was really cool reading that on the plane, Stepping Into America as well. It's yeah, kind of yeah. carried with it an understanding of... Just, yeah, just the way that politics work. And, yeah, it's... Yeah, and the mindset over in America, yeah. Yeah, and it's got some real tenderness, and it just puts paid to a lot of the, you know, really unkind things that were said about Mm, Hillary mm. Clinton, like when that whole monocle thing happened, a lot of people said it was her fault. Yes. Because she was frigid and all this awful, awful Just the language around it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, revolting. And so it's really beautiful to get to see her have this life and see her as a mm. young woman and an older woman and see her career. It's, um, 
Yeah, it's, it's really well told. I loved it. I'm going to also put that on the list. You've got some great recommendations today. But before we go, um, we have a song that you've recommended, The Payback by James Brown. Any particular reason? Um, it's a great song to dance to with a toddler. Excellent. I've introduced my little boy Sonny to James Brown, and I'll often dance around when we're tidying up after <laughs> the bomb site that is um, lunch, dinner, breakfast. And um, it's, a, it's just a great bop. It's a great bop. Brilliant. Well, thank you for joining us today, Michelle at Langston. Here's The Payback by James Brown.
That's The Payback by James Brown, the choice of our fast favourites guest today, Michelle Langston.